Good to see you this morning. Glad you're here with us. We're going to look today at investing and inviting in the friends God put around us. We've got a bunch of, this is Labor Day, sort of the, the stutter step before you launch the fall in church life here at CIV. And so we've got a lot of opportunities to invite people to events. And I'd like to step back and look at where that comes from, where this need comes from and what it's all about. When you come to Christ and, and you decide to follow him, commit your life to follow him, he gives a purpose to your life way beyond yourself. It's, it's way beyond just you and what you want. The centerpiece of your life, and actually the centerpiece of our church life here, is to help others to get to know Jesus, those who don't know him. And so we want to help others around us to see Jesus and what, what he's really like. There are a lot of ideas out there about him, a lot of notions, a lot of thoughts. But, you know, our role is to help people really get to, get to see him for who he is. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So we're to live in a way that sheds light on Jesus and is a reflection of his love and his heart for serving other people. When you decide to follow Jesus, this, this becomes your role in the world. What he does is he tends to keep peeling your heart inside out from you know, squeezing what you want out of life and relationships to giving and serving and loving. Uh, we all have different styles, different temperaments, different careers, different callings, uh, different ways of approaching life, but we have the same role. If you've decided to follow Christ, God put you and I where we are in this world, in, in our neighborhood, in our workplace. He put us right where we are because he wants us to be a light to the people around us. We may be the only light that, that some of the people see. Is they, they, Our life may be the only reflection of the Lord Jesus that, that they see. If you're not yet a Christian, uh, today you'll see what Jesus does in someone's life, at least a slice of what he does, a little bit of what he does, and then the role that he'll want you to play as you, as you follow him. So this may fill in some information for you on those things. How do we how do we shine the light on Christ? We're going to look today at Matthew's story. Matthew's the one that wrote those words down for us in Matthew five sixteen. Um, we're going to look at his story in the, the the Gospel of Luke, one of the other biographies of Christ. That was written by Luke, a doctor. Uh, he's writing about Matthew, the tax collector. He refers to him as Levi. Matthew's also known as Levi, and so we're going to look at a story from him. And we learned from Matthew that, that one way to help others to see Jesus is to make an investment in them. We make an investment in those God brings into our life. Luke 5, 27 through 30 says this. And after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Now, tax collectors... I don't know about you, but 
if I get a call from the IRS, it concerns me. I get, you know, I get a little nervous, start, you know, start trying to think, okay, can I find everything? You know, can I find all the files? Can I do that? Well, that's normal. I mean, we're, we, 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 you know, you get a call from an auditor or a letter, a letter from the IRS and, oh boy, okay, gotta, gonna have to gear up and pull some things together. In this setting here, in this time, in the first century, in Israel, tax collectors were hated for a couple of other reasons, not just the concern that we normally have when like, okay, I gotta gear up for this. They were hated because, first of all, they represented the oppressive Roman government. And in Israel, the Israelites, they hated that. They hated the government that was oppressing them and had overrun them. And secondly, the way it worked for a tax collector in this time is they collected the tax that they needed to send to Rome. And then they added everything they could get to that tax and they kept that for themselves. So they not only collected tax for the government, but their pay was whatever they could get from the people that they were collecting the taxes from. So these guys were shrewd. They were, they were, they were good at getting the money from the people and usually strong arming it, that kind of thing. Um, and I would imagine Matthew had the attitude, you know, it's just business. You know, you ever deal with somebody that's like, well, this may hurt you, and I may be taking advantage of you. It's just business. It's the way it goes. It's the way we do it. I'm sure Matthew had that idea. Hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is the way it works in our society. I get everything I can out of you, and I, I make you pay, and I live off of you. And so... That was him. So Jesus went out. He sees a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. And he says, follow me. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Now, Matthew had known Jesus before this, this moment. He'd known him. He'd known of him. He, he had been able to hear about him and, and begin to investigate who he was. But Jesus says, follow me, he leaves everything. At this point in his life, Levi was a wealthy person with a lot of friends. And at that point that God called him, he left it and followed, followed him. It says next in verse 29, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, th- these guys, this was the religious crowd, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that belonged to their same sect. They, they felt like they were special to God. That was a mistake. <laughs> they felt like they mistakenly thought we're, we're the, the special group. And... We have an inside track. They were a very self-righteous group of people. And so they look at Jesus hanging out with the scum, the tax collectors and the sinners, and, and, and they look down on Jesus and his disciples for doing that. But what they didn't know is 
uh, Jesus has a heart for people outside this, the religious circle. His heart's always reaching out to include more and more in his, his group. He's, he's always inclusive and open to the people around him. Jesus loved the people outside that group. Actually, the hardest things that Jesus had to say was to that religious crowd because they were snooty and self-righteous and they were they were nasty and ugly and Jesus let them know it because he they they had it all wrong God is not an exclusive God he he's for everyone plays no favorites and so that's that's what's going on there but you see what happens to the Levi he makes some radical changes in his life let's let's look at what happened to Matthew and some other lessons from his story. Levi, also known as Matthew. First, you see that he made a radical shift from getting to giving. This, this is what happens when you follow Christ. And, and you really decide to follow. You love and you give like Jesus did. Jesus gave his life away. He, he, he served. He showed kindness over and over and over again. He did. Another tax guy named Zacchaeus. I could sing you a little song I learned in Sunday school about Zacchaeus, but I'll save you the, the pain and the misery. <laughs> um, but another tax guy, Zacchaeus, he, he came to Christ. He decided to follow Christ. And immediately, now think about these guys. These are near mafia type approach to extorting money from people. And Zacchaeus immediately starts giving his money to the poor, and he pays back the people he has cheated many times. So this is what Jesus does to your heart. When you come to know him, he peels it inside out, and you begin to, to, to love and serve and give. Now, you still struggle with selfishness. I do. But he keeps peeling, peeling you inside out. And, and you move from getting to giving. Now, Matthew, this is what happens to people who really decide to follow Christ. Not, not just become a fan, but become a follower of Christ. You know, Jesus didn't have a Facebook page. You, know, you can become a fan of different organizations on Facebook. and He didn't have a Facebook page. He would have had a lot of fans if he did. Because he had huge crowds following him. Multitudes. Just people were following him. But when things went south, and they really went south toward the end of his life, you found out who his followers were. People scattered and didn't want to be connected with him. But both of these guys were looking at Matthew and the investment he made and Andrew and the way that he invited people. Both of them paid the price for their faith in Christ. They were followers. They followed him to their death. Matthew was killed with a halberd uh, as he was trying to share Christ in, in a certain country. I can't remember which one. But a halberd is a, a long spear-like thing with an axe attached to the bottom. So there's a point with an axe. Somebody killed him with that because he was, he was trying to share his faith. And Andrew... Uh, he was crucified, sort of in a, in a different way than Christ. So these guys were followers. And they, in other words, they were in. 
I'm in, Jesus. I, they were really, they had really decided this is the one who's, he, he, this is the one we've been looking for and he is the son of God. This is who we, we want to follow with our lives. And he is actually who he claims to be. And in making that decision to follow, he made a, a radical shift from getting to giving. Second thing that happened is he gained a radical respect for Christ. He puts this banquet together to honor Jesus in, in his own circle of influence among his friends and family. Not just a backyard barbecue with burgers and dogs where you crack out the can, of, you crack open the can of beans and pour it out and cook, you know warm it up. This is a banquet, a great banquet, a lavish affair enough to honor a king, worthy of honoring a king. He pours his money into this. This is a guy who's used to getting all his money, and he wants to honor Jesus with this lavish affair. So he's gained a radical respect for Christ and developed a concern for his friends. So before Christ, business associates were relationships that you needed to have for business. But now he's concerned for them. He has a genuine concern for their welfare. And he wants them to know Jesus, the one who can put their life together the way that, the way that he's begun to put his life together. So it's an amazing transformation here. And one of the key lessons we learned from Matthew is that we can use temporary things to make an eternal difference. Jesus told another story in another place. You can read it in Luke 16. And this is the punchline. This is the, the why, what he meant by tell, in the story. Here's the lesson he says in Luke 16:9. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you into an eternal home. We, we have quite an opportunity as we set out to follow Christ to use our stuff that's going to go away someday. Our house, our car, our money, all of this is going to go away. We have the opportunity to use it for an eternal purpose, to make an eternal difference in the lives of people as we, as we try to serve them by helping them get around people who know Jesus, who can point them to him in the way that they relate, in the way they live. I, I was reminded of the eternal difference that Jesus makes this week. Uh, Cindy and I were visiting a... Uh, a family member in sort of a distant family member. I don't know how to explain it, so just we'll leave it at that. So we were going to Loma Linda Hospital and visiting uh, someone there. And as you walk into the hospital, I was this. There's a sculpture garden outside of the hospital, and this is kind of like trying. This is my little show and tell moment in the message today. But it's sort of like trying to describe a movie. I, you should go see it if you ever get a chance. Uh, go see it when you're healthy and you can see it. <laughs> but it's it's really a very powerful thing and it really moved my heart. Having lost my mom in March, it was it was just a neat thing to see. But when you walk in, there's a picture there. When you walk in the main entrance, to the right is this sculpture garden. It's bronze. And so you see these figures standing there. And on the bench in the back is Jesus. He's sitting there. And all of the figures, either there are two of them, or one, one little boy who's sort of cuddling in his arms. 
There's another little girl next to him who's standing by him, but all the others are moving toward him. And in the next slide there, you can see the different figures. Over on, on you know, looking at, the, at Jesus over here, uh, a doctor and his granddaughter are helping an older gentleman toward Jesus. They're sort of helping him move toward Christ. And then uh, and right next to Jesus on his left is a little girl who's giving flowers to the nurse who took care of her while she was sick. But now she doesn't need the care. She's, she's in heaven. She's in the presence of Jesus. And then my favorite part was the little boy. You can see him sort of leaning forward and, and running toward Jesus. And that's his mom behind him. She's a little bit pregnant, but she's holding the stirrup that he used to need to walk, that he doesn't need anymore. He's broken free. It's a moving picture of the difference that Jesus makes. The sculptor did a great job. I don't think you can see his face in this next slide, but there's a little picture. That's a picture of Jesus. His face is great because he looks like the kind of guy you'd want to hang out with. You know, that's why the tax collectors and the sinners were hanging out with him, man. He was fun. He was a lot of fun. You're just very inviting, inclusive. And it just kind of got, come along, man. Let's, let's do this. Let's go, let's go, let's go make a difference in the world. You know, you just wanted that. And, and the, the title of the sculpture garden is Come to Me. And it's a great picture of the difference Jesus makes. I mean, how powerful you have all kinds of people going through life and death situations and to see that. And realize, you know, I, I, I can go to Jesus. He'll make an eternal difference in my life as I trust him. Matthew realized this. Matthew, when he decided to follow Christ, he realized this is the one who is, is going to change the course of history. And he's changing the course of my history. I'm following him from now. And I'm going to make an investment in my family and friends and become a bridge for them to know Jesus. That's, that's what's going on in Matthew's story. Another guy who showed us a step we can take to shine a light on Jesus is Andrew. We learn from him to invite our friends to investigate Christ, invite our friends to get around the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ on, on earth. We, we, we are here to be his hands and feet and to, to love and to serve and care. So when someone gets around a group of people who are really trying to follow Christ, they sense his love and, and his concern, and they begin to get a taste of what he's like. And so we invite our friends to come around that. Now, here's, here's Andrew's story. John 1, 35 through 49. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. John was Jesus' cousin who was chosen by God to sort of prepare the way and let people know the Messiah is coming, Jesus is coming, this is the one that God has been talking about for hundreds of years and pointing to, he's, he's on his way. So Jesus comes by and he says, this, this is him. This is the guy I've been talking about. This is the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the one who's going to sacrifice himself for our sins. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, 
what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. He's, he's the kind of guy you want to hang out with. They spent the day with him, and it was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. In other words, we have found the one on whom the course of history will turn. This is a this is a major statement that he's making to his brother. This is the one we've been looking for. He is the key to all reality. And if you know him, he makes life different and better and good. He will bring things together in your life and he's going to bring things together on a large scale. So this is quite a statement he's making. And he brought his brother to Jesus. Andrew went to his brother, whom he loved and cared about, and brought him to Jesus. This is what this is what we do. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? That's Nathaniel's response. He's got some questions. <laughs> He's not too sure about this. Come and see, said Philip. Come and see for yourself. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said, said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God and the king of Israel. So there's something about that conversation that convinced Nathanael that Jesus is who he said he was. Here's some lessons. First of all, you need to be convinced. It's okay to ask questions. Jesus doesn't chastise Nathaniel for having questions. But if you're going to be a follower and not just a fan, then you need to be convinced. So it's, it's okay and encouraged to have questions and to get those answers to your questions. If, if Jesus is, is really the core of reality, and I think he is, he is the answer. And the best way to live your life is by following him. Second thing we learn is we once we've found him and become convinced, we go to those we value, the people we love. First thing Andrew does is he gets his brother and he brings him to Jesus. He invites him to come and, and meet him, to introduce him to him. This is what happens when you find something good, whether it's a movie or a new cleaning product or, man, you know, I got this stuff. I couldn't get this stain out. This is amazing, you know. Or, or when somebody has an injury or an illness, you found something that helps. You share that with people. That's what we do. You know, you find something good, you let people know about it. And that's, that's what's happening here. And especially if we found the key to all reality, we share it with people around us. When you find something good, this is what you do. You share it. 
And that's what Andrew does. He went, goes to the, he went to those he valued, to, to his brother, Simon. You notice the gospel's traveling in a circle of guys from Bethsaida. That's kind of how the gospel travels. That's how the good news about Christ gets out. You know, he puts us in a neighborhood, he puts us in a workplace, and he wants us to share and invite and invest in the friends around us and help them come to know Christ as well. Another thing we learn is to tell what you found. That's all Andrew does. He made no rational defense. Uh, he, he just wants his friends and his family to meet Jesus. And this is how you start helping. This is how you start helping people come to know Christ. You, you bring them around God's people, around the Lord's people, so that they can get a taste of what he's like, and to hear the message that's being taught. And we can all do that. We can all invite. As we get answers to questions, then we can share those answers. And on our way to Christ, many times we have questions, and we ask questions, and uh, we get the answers. But, but the biggest help is to get people around others who are walking with the Lord who can Love them and show, show them what the Lord Jesus is like. And finally, let Jesus prove himself. <clears throat> you, you don't have to go to bat for him. You don't have to convince anyone or, or close some kind of deal that they, that they need to sign on. Let Jesus prove himself. You don't have to help him out. Christianity is the only belief system where your head and your heart come together. It's logical, it's reasonable, and the Lord works in your heart to make changes in your life. Jesus can prove himself, just like with Nathaniel. He did. So we bring people around him. We are not salesmen. Boy, I'm glad that I don't have to be a salesman. I, I, I think... There, you know, that's a worthy occupation, but I'm glad I don't, I don't have to do that. Because <laughs> I'm just not wired that way. I'm not. We are not salesmen, but we're messengers. When I realized this, boy, it was very helpful to me. <clears throat> because as I stand and share things from Scripture, I realize I, I don't have to prove a thing. Jesus is going to do that himself. We're just messengers. We tell others what we have found. This helps us relax. I'm just introducing other people to a real person who's going to begin to work in their heart. We're, we're not salesmen, but we're helpers. We're, we're helping people understand what Jesus has said and how to connect with God through him. If they have questions, we can try to answer those questions. But realize that Jesus is the one who's going to prove himself. And then we're bringers. We bring people around God's people so they can see his love and kindness. So that's the example of Matthew and Andrew. They invested. Matthew invested in the people around him, and, he, and Andrew invited his friends and family to get around God's people and hear the truth about Jesus. Uh, there are some next steps that you can take as a result of hearing this message this morning that you may want to take. There may be some others that have come to mind. But one of those is to memorize Luke 19.10. Great statement, just very short statement about what we're all about as followers of Christ. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. That's 
That's what he was about. That's what he wants us to be giving ourselves to. Helping find people who are lost to him, who haven't yet committed themselves to follow him. And then another step you can take is just make a list of unchurched family and friends that you'd like to uh, pray for. That they would get to know Jesus. That Jesus would show himself to them. And then another step would be uh, ask God for the opportunity to bring someone to a CIV event. We've got several things coming up that you may want to invite a friend to or a family member. And then another step is to commit to getting to know some unchurched. Maybe you've been in some sort of holy huddle and you want to you wanna just say, hey, I'd like to meet some people that need Christ and be a bridge to help them come to know him as well. And then on the connection card, for several weeks we've had a spot where you could list uh, family and friends that you're going to invite to the, the series next week. If you haven't had a chance to let us know who you're inviting, uh, you can do that as well and put that in the offering when it comes by, and we'll pray with you uh, for those folks. Would you bow with me in prayer as we close the time? Father, we thank you for the salvation that you give that sets us free from uh, a self-centered life and, and f- gives us the freedom to really love and serve and find the fulfillment that's there in doing that. <clears throat> God, thank you for what you've done. And I pray that as we have steps that we set our hearts to take, give us the power, give us the, the courage to take those steps and bring honor to you. May more and more people come to know you, Lord, and the freedom that you give. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.